Good evening, my brothers and sisters in Christ, and a special welcome again to any of you who maybe are joining us for the first time, especially if you've never been to the Holy Thursday Mass, which is actually called the Evening Mass of the Lord's Supper. A special welcome especially to all of our students, to our permanent parishioners, to families, and to our guests. Because tonight we will end in solemnity and reverence, I want to do a couple of thank yous now on behalf of Father Will, our awesome pastor, Father Andrew, and myself. So first off, thanks so much to our director of music and liturgy, Mike Masichek, for all of his preparations for tonight and the next couple days, as well as our director of liturgy, David Ojeda, and our MC. Also to all of our altar servers, or as I like to call them, Mary's men during these three days. To our awesome choir for the preparation and work that they've put in as well as to those who've decorated the church, especially the Jacobs family, who seems to always be here for the big uh, solemnities and liturgies. So thank you for all of your help. Thank to Madeline Hill, who is back as well, to help us with our altar of repose. Special shout out, too, to two of our Aggie seminarians who are with us here tonight. So we have Brandon and Ethan, so it's a great joy to welcome them back as well. So my friends, tonight, my hope is that you will see, hear, and feel, and encounter beauty, and that it will center your heart on the cross and allow your soul to soar into the heights of the heavenly realm. The Lord desires to encounter each of our hearts tonight. So right now, let us ask the Holy Spirit to open your eyes, to open your ears, to open your mind and your heart so that we together as God's family may receive our Savior on this holy night. His hour has now come. Through the incarnation, God elevated human nature by emptying himself, taking the form of a slave, coming in human likeness. Then again, God bestowed on human nature the gift of baptism, so that God himself may dwell in the hearts of men. And if these sanctifications of human nature were not enough, God graciously chooses some men, though unworthy, to be his priests. Men whose nature is elevated once more, as St. John Vianney said, to hold the place of God and who are invested with all the power of God. A priest, a mere man who has been given the power to pardon sins, to transform ordinary bread and wine into heavenly food, who brings new life through the waters of baptism and helps that same soul to pass from this life into the next. As St. John Paul II said so beautifully, the priesthood is a mystery of a wondrous exchange between God and man. A man offers his humanity to Christ so that Christ may use him as an instrument of salvation making him, as it were, into another Christ. Unless we grasp the mystery of this exchange, we will not understand how it can be that a young man hearing the words, follow me, can give up everything for Christ in the certainty that if he follows this path, he will find complete personal fulfillment. How mysterious, how miraculous, all for love. This past year, we've experienced a lot as a family of God here in Aguilar, especially as we move towards entering into our new church. Through the ups and downs of this year, I learned a great deal about myself, about the priesthood, about humanity, and fell even more in love. More in love with God, with you, the people, 
and with the priesthood. Once again, the Lord continues to teach me about what it means to be a priest of Jesus Christ, as well as a spiritual father. You know, we are made to fall in love. And when you fall in love, you have a desire for this love to overflow, to give of yourself to another. Holy Mother Church says that man and woman are the only creatures on earth which God willed for himself. And man cannot fully find himself except through a sincere gift of self. And so as a priest continues to fall in love with God and with his flock, his spiritual fatherhood becomes more apparent. The priest recognizes he's not just an administrator or a sacramental dispenser or a therapist, but a father. And a man is called father when he has children, whether spiritual or biological. In the Gospel of John, Philip asked Jesus to show him the Father. And Jesus says, whoever sees me sees the Father. And so because a priest is an altar Christus, people call him Father. And so my hope this evening on the one night of the year in which the Catholic Church across the world intentionally peels back the veiled mystery of both the priesthood and the Eucharist during this liturgy of Holy Thursday which is also called the Liturgy of the Last Supper, where Jesus institutes the Most Holy Priesthood and the Most Holy Eucharist. My hope is that you're able to glimpse a portion of the heart of the Father, both God the Father and my own priestly heart as well. In continuity with the past two years, I will share a bit of my own journal entries from this past year of priestly life, not with the intention of being self-referential, but to vulnerably reveal a part of the heart of a father. I've heard it said before that the heart and the sharing of one's heart allows us to go to a place that the mind cannot reach. The heart and the sharing of one's heart allows us to go to a place that the mind cannot reach. August 12th, 2022. Jesus, today I'm ending my time with my priest bros in Michigan. It's been a blast. I've not laughed this hard in a while. It was an awesome week of boating, hiking, playing cornhole, of prayer, good food, rest, and fun. Thanks for keeping us safe, Lord. I love you, and I'm ready to serve your flock again in Aggieland. It's time for another year. Jesus, let's go. <laughs> I did write that out, I promise you. <laughs> Lord, give me the grace and the strength needed. Amen. As a young priest in my third year now, I realize that there are many voices from the world, from the flock, from the diocese, and maybe even from brother priests on what it means to be a good priest. Yes, there are priests with many gifts and also many priests with quirky personalities. Some are good at homilies and others are better in the confessional. Some have great minds, others are, more, are simpler. Some can run a parish like a Fortune 500 CEO, and others have a hard time just sending an email. <laughs> I've realized that we, including myself, sometimes lift up as the ideal priest. What we lift up could be contrary to the priest that Jesus desires. Seems to me Jesus desires humble priests, priests that are obedient to their superiors and to the doctrines of the church. And above all, priests that pray. 
The celebrated or highly lifted up gifts of many priests are not bad, and and they can enhance his priesthood and further the kingdom of God in extraordinary ways. But when you break down the priesthood to its core, what makes a man a good priest? I think one could fall into the trap that something as good as kindness or administration and availability to the flock is the priority in the life of a priest. But in reality, it is a priest's prayer life that must take precedent over all. As Pope Benedict XVI said, the faithful expect only one thing from priests, that they be specialists in promoting the encounter between God and man. The priest is not to ask to be an expert in economics, construction, or politics. He's expected to be an expert in the spiritual life. This emphasis on prayer is something that I think our students actually here at St. Mary's witness well to us three Aggie priests. October 5th, 2022. Jesus, this morning the chapel was busting at the seams with students praying, and so I came into the main church to pray instead. What a beautiful witness, Lord, to be kicked out of the chapel by your own flock. (laughs) I pray for all these students, Lord. Continue to reveal your love and mercy to them. Draw me closer to you, Lord. Show me your spousal love. Help me to give you my everything. Amen. The beautiful things of the priesthood is getting to see God working in so many powerful ways in the lives of his people. You're able to see such intimate glimpses of hearts of those who may never show that heart to anybody else. There have been many times over the past year which I would say, oh, I wish I could show this event to the world as a sign of hope. You know, our new church will be a beacon of hope and a source of beauty in itself. But it will point to the greater beauty of the treasures of St. Mary's, our students. Pope Benedict said, nothing can bring us into close contact with the beauty of Christ himself other than the world of beauty created by faith and light that shines out from the faces of the saints through whom his own light becomes visible. I believe that light shines brightly through so many of you, through you, our students. November 14th, 2022. Lord, as I'm in the Adoration Chapel right now, about 20 guys have come in and out to spend time with you. Some of them have stayed 30, 45, 60 minutes. Lord, you're raising up so many virtuous men. They are fighting for holiness. Please bless them. It was just two weeks ago, Lord, that 500 of your young men went to the Father Mike Schmidt's talk, and then they were joined with 2,000 more students on campus for Magnify and Rudder. It was a historic day in the life of the church in Aggieland. The students are thirsty for you, Lord. And then about 60 more young men spent a day at Messiah's Ranch on retreat with Father Angelus of the CFRs. It was a blast playing spike ball with them and getting to just spend life together in the beauty of your creation. I'll never forget one of the men shared about his prayer experience on that retreat with the group where he pictured you, Jesus, kissing the altar at Mass. But it was he himself who was the altar in that time of prayer. What an intimate moment for him to share. I think this guy for sure has a priestly vocation, if it was up to me, Lord. (laughs) Thank you for raising up men here at St. Mary's. I think I want to call this year the year of man at St. Mary's. 
not to offend or leave out the women. <laughs> I felt some staring eyes. <laughs> My guess is the women want to have holy men too. Amen. But more so to shine light on how you continue to draw so many men to the chapel, to daily mass into the confession line. I think more than any other time here at St. Mary's. You know, this is not normal in our world today, Lord. Raise up saints. As many biological fathers and mothers know, you raise your kids the best you can, and then you have to let them spread their wings to fly and let them live a life on their own. And you hope that God planted enough seeds through your example and teaching them to choose to live a life for Christ. It's beautiful to see your children grow in faith, to see them grow into the men and women God is calling them to be. And as a father, no matter how mature and holy your children will become, you're always called to be a sturdy shelter for them so that they can lean on you to remind them of their goodness, of the hope in Jesus Christ, and that God is always there for them to come back to when they need guidance, support, or love. May 13th, 2022. Lord, am I crazy for taking a group of almost 40 college students to Europe on pilgrimage for two weeks? That's all I wrote that day. <laughs> I wish I could remember what God's response was, but maybe it was silent agreement. <laughs> May 27th, 2022, two weeks later. Well, Lord, I'm sitting on the plane heading back to the U.S., and we did it. We completed an amazing pilgrimage together. No one died. Only, only one girl was left at St. Paul outside the wall. <laughs> Lord, I did feel a little bit bad about that one. But you know, about 30 minutes later, we realized it, and I jumped in a cab to go get her. On that cab ride, I felt like the good shepherd going after the lost sheep. <laughs> Lord, please let her not have any father wounds from this experience. <laughs> also, Lord, you came in big when that one student got COVID and almost had to stay in France for two extra weeks. But you provided a way, Lord, and hearts were changed and eyes were opened to the beauty of your saints on this pilgrimage. Thanks, Lord, for an incredible two weeks with these amazing students. I'm forever grateful. The pilgrimage with the saints that we did last May was a highlight for me over this past year. One student said, because of the pilgrimage to Rome and then Assisi and Lourdes, and I quote, I began to have a relationship with Mary. I don't have my mom anymore, and so I found a mother in heaven that I can know and love. Another student said, on this pilgrimage, I felt God's vastness and greatness, but also his intimacy and nearness. Just like while inside St. Peter's Basilica, you feel its grandeur and majesty, but also you feel so near and cherished. One thing that I've talked to other young priests about a lot this year is that we're not machines. We remind each other of a priest's humanity, my own humanity. While the priest tries to stand up straight and tall in order to fulfill such a role of perfection as a representative of God, as a man who is in persona Christi, he knows all too well the call to be perfect, as his heavenly father is perfect, is a call in which the priest consistently falls short. 
Through such disappointments from the laity and the priest alike, one must ponder, is it possible to be both sinner and saint? A priest must veil himself in prayer and put on the full armor of God in order to combat the enemy, which is not flesh and blood, but the principalities, the kingdom of darkness, who do not use the same weapons and are all trained to attack priests in different manners. The life of a priest is a life with a cross. He must suffer in this life if he is to master his own sin and the sin of others. And sometimes the priest falls, and when he does, the flock is wounded, sometimes dispersed, and the body of Christ suffers. But as a spiritual father, even though he knows his weakness, he must continue to serve, continue to love, to receive God's mercy and allow Christ, the eternal high priest, to do what he, the priest, the man, cannot. July 20th, 2022. Lord, prayer's been rough the past couple of weeks. It's been very dry and you feel very distant to me. I've been more distracted recently and I don't know why. Why am I going through this, Lord? What obstacles do I have in the way of you? Is there self-reliance? Am I just tired? Is there natural distractions in the world? Is, is it laziness from the summer heat? Jesus, help me to return fully to you. I'm sorry for the times that I haven't come to you. How am I supposed to minister to the students who are here this summer when I feel like I'm in such a slump? Hold me close, Lord, at this time. Amen. Now, the beautiful thing about the spiritual fatherhood of a priest is that you go through all the seasons of life pretty quickly, which allows you to go into the valleys but then be springboarded into the mountains soon after, sometimes all in one day. Therefore, even though there is the cross and hard times of the priesthood, sometimes the spiritual fatherhood of the priest is just plain fun. It's good for a father to have fun with his children and taste the joys of eternal life. October 10th, 2022. Good morning, Jesus. I'm a bit tired, if I'm totally honest with you, but the road trip to Bama for the football game was epic to say the least. <laughs> Lord, when I think about some of the highlights of the weekend, it brings so much joy to my heart. Firstly, Ben, Colin, Charlie, and their roommates had been reaching out to me to join them for weeks, but it's hard to get away on weekends as a priest. But on that Friday before the Bama game, it seemed like you worked a little bit of your providential care for me. All of a sudden, the baptisms on Saturday at St. Mary's were rescheduled. Father Will had the wedding that day, and because of AM's new fall break, many of the Sunday Mass schedule was condensed as well. It was like the stars aligned, and you were basically commanded me to go on the road trip. <laughs> you don't have to tell me twice on this one. Your will be done, Lord. I had the ha-ha-ha-ha after that. <laughs> I asked Father Will on that Friday at 3.05 p.m. whether I could go on this last-minute road trip, and he was a bit hesitant, which I don't blame him, because it was a rash decision. But he said he would honor what I thought was best. Lord, I brought it to you quickly in prayer, and at 3.15 p.m., I texted Father Will that I was going... <laughs> So I grabbed a suitcase, and at 3.30 p.m., Henry rolled up to the rectory in his family's 12-passenger van, and 11 students and I began our epic 10-hour road trip to Bama. We arrived at 2 a.m. to some random college kid's house in Tuscaloosa, 
and eight of us guys ended up camping out on the wooden floor of the living room of this college house, whose cleanliness reminded me of the Dixie Chicken. <laughs> After getting four hours of sleep that night, using a bed sheet for my shower towel in the morning, because the college guys didn't have extra towels and the ones they had smelled like mildew. We headed off for a holy hour at the Sabin Student Center with our awesome focused missionaries and a whole lot of other Aggie and Bama Catholics. And then joined the Aggie student section for a wild game that unfortunately ended two yards and three seconds too short. <laughs> Lord, where was the puff of air to win the game this year? <laughs> On Sunday, we had mass and then headed back to Aggieland. Also, it's pretty cool. My parents were there that weekend as well. On our way back, we stopped at Taco Bell on the way home, and I hadn't had Taco Bell in 10 years, and my stomach paid for it. <laughs> Lord, it was a weekend for the history books, and to top it off, we got back to Aggieland at 11.30 p.m., and so I went with the boys to Northgate at midnight for a drink to toast Ben on his 21st birthday. <laughs> You're going to make me cry. <laughs> Lord, thank you for the blessing of an amazing weekend. It was truly life, living life to the full with you and with your beloved people. Now, there's a common misconception in the church and in the secular culture that priestly celibacy is merely a pragmatic application in order to free a priest to have more time to minister to the people of God. Though at times the pragmatic aspect is an effect of the gift of celibacy, it's not its essence. As 1 Corinthians chapter 7 states, there's an element of celibacy that allows the priest to focus his mind and heart not on his wife and children, but on God and his flock. Father Joseph Carolla, a professor of mine in seminary, draws us deeper into the true understanding of celibacy as a lifelong fullness, an abiding presence, in which a priest unites himself to Christ crucified and his bride, the church. And thereby the priest gives his entire life, including his very body, as a sacrifice, a total gift of self. Such a gift is not made merely for the means of life here on earth, but as a sign pointing to the eternal communion with the Holy Trinity that awaits all of us in heaven. February 14th, 2023. Lord, on this Celibacy Awareness Day, or as some call it, Valentine's Day, I am truly blessed to be with my priest bros at Eagle's Wings and Burn It. The sky is so blue and the air is fresh. Thanks for renewing my soul today. On this day that our culture celebrates love, it reminds me that you are my everything. Sometimes if I'm honest, I don't treat you that way, and sometimes I put other things in front of you. But the beauty of celibacy is that I am able to give myself fully to you and no one else. Even in my brokenness and my weakness, all my complexities and a bit of mystery, I give my heart fully to you, Jesus, once again. You've entrusted me to care for your bride, the church, and I lay down my life for her. As Dorothy Day says, love in action is harsh and dreadful when compared to love in dreams. Love in action is harsh and dreadful when compared to love in dreams. I'm sorry, Lord, for the times I've rejected your love or filled my heart with other things. I'm sorry for the times I've doubted your goodness and the times I thought that you weren't enough for me. 
I'm sorry for the times I failed to witness your love or when I come to you in laziness or lack of faith. Thank you for your endless mercy. Thank you for the gift of my baptism, of your Holy Spirit, and your body that refreshes my soul. Thank you for the priesthood that you have given to me as gift, even in my unworthiness. It is all gift, Lord, a gift that I will never be able to repay, and I know you don't expect that. And so once more on this day, I give you my heart again, a heart that loves imperfectly, a heart that sometimes suffers, a heart that has a lot of mystery within it. And you always accept it and embrace it in ways that I cannot. Thank you, Jesus. I love you. My brothers and sisters, the reason I'm a priest is yes for the people and yes to serve to journey with a people as a spiritual father, but most of all for the Eucharist. For without the priesthood, there is no Eucharist, and without the Eucharist, there is no church. And so now we turn our gaze from the priesthood to the Eucharist, the source and the summit of our Catholic faith. Tonight we remember and do what Jesus instituted at the Passover meal, as St. Paul reminds us today in our second reading. The Last Supper is the new Passover that Jesus instituted on the night before he was to be crucified and that we partake in at every single Mass and in a special way this evening. The Eucharist is a large reason why St. Mary's is such a special place. The number of students attending Mass and praying before the Blessed Sacrament is unbelievable and unmatched across this nation and, and maybe across this world. But that's exactly where the transformation of a heart happens. March 6, 2023, Jesus, yesterday at the pursuit meeting, a few of the students shared their testimonies about their faith journey. One of the students shared about the first time in her life that she ever felt fully known and fully loved. She recounted to the group how she set up an appointment with me and was able to share her full story with me. She said she cried her eyes out as she talked to me about her life. I think she said she used two boxes of tissues. After our meeting, she went to confession after not going in a long time because of the shame that kept her captive and pulled her away from your sacrament, Lord, which also prevented her from receiving you in the Eucharist as well. That Sunday after our conversation and confession, she went to Mass and received the Eucharist for the first time in a long time. She told the group at the pursuit meeting that she received the Eucharist from me at Mass. And when I gave her the Eucharist and looked into her eyes, she felt fully known and fully loved in all parts of her for the first time in her life. She courageously brought her shame and her past woundedness to light. And now she was set free to live in your beautiful light. I'm speechless, Lord. You work through your priests in mysterious ways. Thank you, Lord, for this beautiful daughter of yours. I pray for all those students that are in the pursuit. They are truly living saints and heroes who are going against the stream of the culture to live a life for you. Though we will probably never fully understand the Eucharist and the great mystery of Jesus, giving us truly his body, blood, soul, and divinity to consume into our very bodies, through the gift of faith, I do believe God will continue to open our eyes little by little to this greatest gift that we could receive besides our baptism, the bread of life that leads us to eternal life. The Eucharist is the only cure for our world, 
for our country, for our church, for our families, and for our individual hearts. Nothing else will do. It is only Jesus himself truly present in the Eucharist that will heal, unite, restore, sustain, and ultimately bring us to eternal life. Eternal life in heaven, which is what we were created for. A place of communion and pure love. And here in Aguiland, we're so blessed to have the availability of the Eucharist to adore and receive. And I know many of you receive that gift so well. You're here tonight. It is a gift and a blessing that we must always protect and cherish. March 12th, 2023, the final journal entry for tonight. Lord, we made it to Honduras. Dang, this place keeps winning my heart more and more. I realize that when I come here, my spiritual fatherhood blossoms. I love journeying with and being a father to our Aggies as well as the local missionaries. I'm always reminded as well that the Eucharist is always home. Whether in Aggieland or in the rural mountains of Honduras, you are present to us in the Eucharist. In the Eucharist, you provide safety, you provide comfort and rest, you provide reassurance. And in the times of nervousness, anxiety, or fear like some of our students are experiencing here right now, you are always there. But you also promised us that before you ascended into heaven, that you would be with us always. You allow us to find refuge in your holy Eucharist. Lord, we have a six-hour drive into the mountains tomorrow towards El Salvador. Lord, please be with us and keep us safe. Help me to also be steady for the students, to be present to them, to help reveal you, Jesus, to those we encounter. Amen. Thank you for listening to Aggie Catholic Homilies. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Be sure to check out our sister podcast, Aggie Catholic Talks, to hear talks from Magnify, Catholicism 101, and more. Thanks, God bless, and gig'em.